Father, we come before you in Jesus' name, and Lord, just thank you. Thank you for today, Lord. Thank you for um, even last week being able to celebrate the power of your resurrection, Father. Um, just that truly the fact that you came back to life, that you died and rose again, Lord, we have all the power we need to do whatever you call us to in this life. Um, we just don't have to worry about that. So, Lord, one of those things that you talk about in your word is wanting to change our hearts and um, really just making us uh, fall in love with the things of you. And, uh, not only our minds, but our hearts together. So those are both unified. So just really pray today, Lord, that you uh, yeah, just communicate what you want to communicate. And um, yeah, just continue to teach us how to go deeper with you and how to, um, yeah, just plumb all the depths uh, of, of the things that you have for us. So we love you. Pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So today our topic is following God with a tender heart. And uh, I'm an interesting person to talk about this because if you know anything about my background, uh, my mom's mom was a undiagnosed bipolar uh, for her whole life, still to this day, undiagnosed. And uh, my grandpa is not much better. And so my mom grew up in a very emotionally just... I mean, if you've ever been with somebody from bipolar for 50 years, yeah, it's not good. So that's, that was one side of my family of kind of how we deal with emotions, how we deal with kind of the things of the heart. And then the other side was uh, I, I went camping with my dad uh, two years ago in the middle of winter in Arkansas. He asked me to go camping and I was like, yeah, let's go camping. And I looked at the weather and it was like 35 degrees. And so I was in my, you know, negative 20 sleeping bag anyways. So we're camping and we drive down to Arkansas and we have what I consider to be a normal conversation that, I mean, I might talk with uh, Michael about it today. Just a very normal conversation. How's your, how, how are things going? How's your spiritual life, et cetera? Real basic. And my dad looks at me and says, that is deeper than any conversation I ever had with my dad in my, his whole entire life. So on one side of my family, bipolar, all this stuff. Other side, emotions are just not talked about. We play golf, we have fun, we, you know, stuff like that. And so as a kid, as, as someone, you can imagine that I didn't have a lot of wisdom or guidance on how do, we, how do we interact with emotions or things like that. And so uh, when I went into ministry, when the Lord called me into ministry, um, into campus ministry, I didn't have all that figured out. <laughs> And I was very much, I mean, my, my dad's a nuclear engineer, my mom's a CPA. So even their jobs are very like thought provoke, you know, like thinking, thinking, thinking. And uh, so that's kind of how I did ministry. That's kind of how I uh, functioned on a daily basis. That's how I discipled. That's how, this is how I did it, right? I didn't understand the, the deeper stuff. And I started as I continued to mentor guys and stuff, realized I was missing large pieces. And I looked around the people around me and I was like, man, those people have something, the way they can build relationships, the way they can connect with others, the way that their relationships with their disciples, the guys they're discipling, it's just deeper. It's just better. And I don't know how in the world they're doing that, but I want to know because I want to get better at that. And I want to learn that. And it kind of challenged me to really pursue what's wrong with how I deal with, whether it's emotions and the heart and things like that. And so anyways, that's a little bit about my story, um, kind of going in. And so the question that we've been asking as a leadership team 
is how do we go further? And you guys have heard this when Tad talks about it at prayer. How do we go further in loving one another? How do we go further in prayer instead of just two hours and let's get out of here? You know, how do we, how do you take those next steps? Uh, how do you take more steps in worship? How do you be more expressive? All these things, right? We're asking all these questions. And that's what I was praying about the last week when Tad said he was leaving. He was like, does anyone want to teach? And I was praying about it. I was like, okay, is there anything that, you know, the Lord put on my heart? And and I felt like God kind of just shared something with me. And he's like, hey, this is, this is something. You need to share this. This is something. And so um, that's kind of what I'm sharing tonight. And it has to do with following God with a tender heart. And so we're going to start in the book of Acts. If you guys want to open up with your Bibles um, or phones, book of Acts 242 through 47. And if you've been a part of really any church, including ours, you probably have studied this passage because every great church, this is what they want. If you ask any pastor who knows what they're talking about, uh, what's a good example? What's a good picture in the Bible of what you want in your church? They should say Acts 242-47, right? Because read about this. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all the believers were together and had all things in common, and they would sell their property and possessions and share them with all, to the extent that anyone had need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day, those who were being saved. That's right. You read that and you're like, of course we want that, right? Of course we want that in our church. So looking through it, you know, if you're doing a church assessment on this church, you're like, okay, we got the word positive fellowship. Awesome. Breaking the bread and prayer, awesome. Wonders and signs, generosity, and people coming to Christ. We have all those things. We're good to go, right? Like if we're executing on all those things, we're seeing those things happen. Check, 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 check. We're an awesome church. Uh, we're good to go. And that's generally how I've taught this passage in the past. Like we taught it a lot, and, and that's how you teach it. This is the stuff. These are the pieces. These are the actions. These are the things you do in an awesome church. But there's something more to this community than just the things you see. And that's any church you go to, right? Like you can go to, I mean, you can go to Joel Osteen's church. You can go to other churches and they give money away. They do things. They do portions of that. They mention the word. They, you know, right? Like there's a lot of check boxes, like, and you could argue details what they teach. But in terms of like, in terms of the boxes, you're like word, they prayed, they gave, they did this, they did this, right? And that's so often how we look at our church, look at our lives, right? I mean, how often, I mean, be honest with yourself. How often are you like, got my two hours in the word, you know, five days this week, I'm good. You know, went to prayer meeting this week, I'm good. You know, I mean, how often do you find comfort? How often do I find comfort in my walk with Christ because of the boxes I checked this week? Didn't struggle with sexual sin this week? Check. Didn't do that? Check. You know, at least for me, that, that's something, that's how we look at life. Because that's how our world looks at life, right? Have a good job, you're good. Have this, you're good. Have this, you're good. It's all action-based. Action, action, action. And you get praise for that stuff. That's what you get praise for is the good actions you do. 
But as I was reading over this, something different stuck out to me. And it's not just in this passage. There's about 150 times in the New Testament this word's brought up. So these people were continually doing this, first of all, which is amazing. It's not just a one-year thing, a two-month thing. They're continually doing these things. And they were full of gladness in sincerity of heart. And so once again, if I ask everybody in the room, who got, you know, let's just say an hour, and don't raise your hands, but it's like, who got an hour in the, hour in the word this week, you know, every day. And, you know, let's say 50% of you or whatever, raise your hand. Who had a heart that was excited to be there, was full of love for the Lord, was like, I am blessed that I am in front of God today. That might go down to 10%. Might go down to 3%, right? And that is... That is the piece that the Lord convicted me on is, are you doing all these things just to do them? And because you know they're right, which is good. Like, you know, it's good you're doing things, right, that are right. But there's more to it than that. And the resurrection power we talked about last week can change our hearts too. Not just I do better things than I used to. It can make our hearts in love with the things that we're doing for God. But that's harder. It's a lot harder. It's easier to go to prayer meeting. It's harder to be like, I am pumped to go to prayer meeting. That's a much harder thing to do. And it takes a heart change. And so anyways, that's kind of what we're jumping into. And the word for heart here is the Greek word of cardia, which, you know, once again, I'm not a Greek scholar, but I'm assuming it ties to cardiac. Cardiac. <laughs> so, you know, just putting two and two together, you know, just logic. Um, and so... But it's interesting because if you study the ancient Hebrews in America, right, we think of like thinkers and feelers. Raise your hand if you think you're a thinker, somebody who generally thinks through things first. Okay. So, yeah, so maybe about half the room. And then who's like, no, I feel things deep. Like that's what, that's how I move. Is by what, what do I feel about this? Yeah. So about half and a half. So that's a Greek way to think about it. Uh, the Hebrews did not consider thought and feeling to be disconnected. They considered it to all be one. And so if you study really in depth, which we're not going to go into that, because you can, you can trust me or you can study it later. But, uh, but they, they consider it to be together. Because if you're doing something, your heart should be with what you're doing. That's just, that's just how they saw it. And then the Greeks are like, no, it's all separate. And they're kind of separating everything out and deconstructing it. So that's kind of what this word means is, yes, it means emotion, but it also means thoughts together. It's the full being is going this direction. But obviously there's benefits not addressing your emotions and not going deep into those things, right? There's benefits. We've all thought of these things, right? Um, If you don't address your emotions in your Christian life, it takes a lot less thought and time to come up with, how am I doing, right? It's like, oh, I got my two hours. I'm good. You know, versus like, let me sit down and really think like, is my heart really for the Lord? Do I really, you know, right. It's so easy to come up with numbers of how am I doing? How am I doing spiritually? Um, Number two, it makes us feel safe and in control, right? Oh, I got my, I went to prayer meeting the last four weeks, so I must be doing good spiritually. So I feel very safe and I feel like I'm mature. Therefore I can come to church and feel confident and have a good conscience and, you know, I mean, that's how we do it. That's how our minds work, right? We check the boxes. And it's very easy to make quick growth. I mean, in any church, you know, as a ministry for six or seven years full time and all the people in our church, your thinkers 
who kind of can just, and this is me, who can press their emotions down and just execute, just like execute all the things that need to be done. Those guys or girls will shoot off, shoot off quicker, quote unquote, right? They'll shoot off like a rocket because they're like, I'm doing everything you told me. We're good to go because that's how they function in life. That's how they do things. Um, and so you can really justify this quick growth and therefore get more praise because it's like, you know, at one ministry at K-State, it's decision opportunities. How many decision opportunities have you given this week, which means sharing the gospel with somebody? And they count them up and they tally them. Yeah, if you're a good executor, you're going to tell everybody. You're like, I got 10 decision opportunities. What was the quality? You know, did anyone come to Christ? You know, was there any fruit from those things? Well, that's not what they ask. You know what I mean? I'm sure they do. But like the decision opportunities is what's, what's kind of calculated. And uh, the same way, you can just run at the, as the, at the same pace as the world. Right. You have to slow down your life like Jesus did to actually really go for the deeper things. You can't just run at the same pace you run at your job. You have to take a step back. You got to slow down, take a breath, be before the Lord, really spend time with him and really ask the right questions and pray, you know, and seek him. So there's definitely upsides. The downsides, if we don't understand how to kind of do this, you lose out on the fullness of what God has for you. Because, yes, you're doing the right things, but that becomes empty eventually. And you see even other people around you that are connecting with people in a deeper way or they're able to minister in a deeper way. And you're like, Man, I want that. I want more of that. And so you kind of go to church and you're around even in this community. You could be in this community and be doing all the right things, but your heart could be far from the Lord. Also, our churches lose the full testimony to the world. Because the world isn't looking for people who can do the right thing. They're looking for people who are authentically themselves doing the right thing. They're looking for people who actually have a heart behind it. And they can tell this person authentically loves this stuff. Not, oh, this person got the word, you know, five days a week. So they're going to, you know, I'm going to come to Christ now. They don't care. They don't care. But to see someone who seeks the Lord and the word each morning and they can tell this person loves God. That's why they do that. That changes their hearts. That makes them want to come and seek the Lord. Also, if we don't understand this, the downside is our discipleship will be based on short-term following of rules versus deep heart transformation. If we don't understand our own inner workings, we can't minister to someone else, to their deeper inner workings. If you don't know yourself, you can't minister to somebody else in that way. you got to stay high level because you don't understand you can't pick out. You meet with somebody, you're like, man, this guy's got some emotional stuff over here going on. You can't pick it out because you haven't worked it on your own. It's impossible. You can't, you can't bring someone further than you've gone. And you really lose out on really growing and understanding uh, of who God made you to be. When you go into these deeper things, you learn about yourself. You learn about who God's made you to be, the unique facets of who God made you to be and how those play out in a community like this what giftings, what strengths, what weaknesses, you learn about yourself through these processes, through these things. Um, and then the last one, you struggle to navigate the gray areas in life. Not everything is black and white. We all know that. There's lots of gray areas in life. And uh, your intuition or your emotions, you know, when you're praying, I mean, if, if you talk to Tad about this, I mean, leaders in the church, there are a lot, of, a lot of you guys, how you seek the Lord and figure out those gray areas is coming before them. And it generally is a feeling. It's a sense. It's a peace. You get over it. 
if you're not dialed into those things, you don't really understand it. You're going to have trouble navigating the gray areas that aren't so clear. So anyways, that's why this is really important for us uh, as, as a church. And God's emphasis of this tender heart shows up all the way through the New Testament. And so we're going to go through probably seven or eight different verses. And there's about 156. We'll go through seven or eight. And these are just great. It, it just shows how much God cares about the heart, not just the mind. The mind, obviously, so much in scripture about that. But it's the heart and the mind together is what we're going for. First Peter 1, 22 through 23 says, since you've purified your souls in obedience to the truth for a sincere love of the brothers and sisters, fervently love one another from the heart. For you've been born again, not of seed, which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring word of God. And so this is a great one. He's what do you see? You've purified your souls in obedience to the truth for a sincere love. So they know the truth says you need a love. So the truth's there. But then what does it say? Fervently love one another from the heart. So it's a both and truth and heart together in this thing. That's what God calls them. James 5.8. He says, you too be patient. Strengthen your hearts for the coming of the Lord is near. He says, strengthen your hearts as the end times come, the things you'll go through, the things that'll happen. You have to strengthen your hearts. Your hearts must be strong. It's not just about the mind. It's the heart as well. Romans 6, 17 through 18. But thanks be to God that, through, that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. And after being freed from sin, you became slaves to righteousness. So once again, we see this combination of there was teaching. So we're listening. You're obedient, though, from the heart, not just from the mind, the heart core. Acts 8, 21 through 23. This is a great example. The apostles are talking to uh, Simon in this situation, and uh, he's trying to buy the Holy Spirit with money, uh, which doesn't work. Uh, yeah, so definitely don't try it. Um, and uh, it says this, you have no part or share in this matter for your heart is not right before God, they say. Therefore, repent of this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord that if possible, the intention of your heart will be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and bondage for unrighteousness. So he has a heart issue, the gall of bitterness. And therefore they're saying the intention of your heart needs to be forgiven. I care about that. Not just that you're doing the right thing, but the deepest part of you has to be forgiven in this. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. This is a great one. This is a great one with giving. You should apply this in your life. Uh, each one must do just as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Did you know that? You're called in scripture to not be com under compulsion or reluctantly give money. Or, I mean, that probably applies, you know, give anything. That's pretty crazy, right? I mean, how many compulsively, how, who's compulsively given because it's like, gosh, I should probably give everybody else is doing it. I mean, probably everybody of us at some point, God calls us not to. He says, no, 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 you need to work on your heart. That's what's important. That, that should be a sign that, wait, I need to work on my heart because I don't want to give you this. There's something wrong here. Ephesians 6, 5, and 6, another example when it comes to working. 
Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling in the sincerity of your heart. As to Christ, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. So he says, why do you do these things? Which is why we do actions, right? A lot, a lot of times we were like, yeah, I'm doing it because I want this person to say I'm awesome. Or I want these people to think I'm great. Or I want this or this or this, right? It's people pleasing. He's like, I don't want that. When you're working, you need to work with a sincere heart, which is hard. Because so I apply that to my job and it, it's hard. It's really hard. I mean, it's, it, it's really challenging. So this is, a, this is a real challenge, but he wants your heart in this. Philippians 4, 7, oh, there's two more. I can go through a hundred of them. Um, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Right? So he talks about praying about everything, seeking the Lord about every single thing you come in. And what will you experience? Your hearts will be guarded by that peace. And the last one, but the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience and a sincere faith. That's what Paul says to Timothy. That was the goal of the teaching we gave you was love from a pure heart, not just love, love from a pure heart. So who's convinced that God cares a little bit about what your heart has going on in it, right? Okay, that's what the goal of that was to convince you God does care about this. He does care about the heart. Um, and so the real question is, what do we do based on this? What does that look like? How do we apply it? And this is a deep topic. And so ultimately, I would recommend anybody who wants to dive deeper into it to talk to a, a mature believer in the church you know, and, and go in more in depth in this because there's a lot there, but I'm trying to make it simple and, you know, simple for us to kind of move forward. No confusion. So um, we're going to go over kind of some basics. Here's some, here's some practical questions to ask yourself to start off. Is it easy for me to identify what I'm feeling inside? Like, do you understand how to identify or you didn't take the time to really be like, how am I feeling? What's going on inside it? Or do you just kind of go through life and go through the steps? Number two, am I willing to explore previously unknown or unacceptable parts of myself, allowing Christ to more fully transform me? Do you realize that a lot of the actions, a lot of things I do are tied to a lot more time in the past, things that I experienced as I had hurts, I had, et cetera. Am I willing to go back into those things and so that Christ can renew them and, and tell a different story? So the story of your life is not what it used to be, but it's Christ has redeemed the story of your life into who you are today. Where you can go back into a situation and see it differently, that God was there with you. You know, you weren't alone in those situations. I mean, that stuff is really important to go back in. Are you willing to do that? Or are you just kind of, nope, I'm trudging forward and I'll keep pushing and Till the end of the, you know, till the end of my life. Number three, do I enjoy being alone in quiet reflection with God and myself? You know, uh, a lot of the times, um, you know, you find people who are pretty unhealthy with this stuff. They just want to do, 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 just jumping from thing to thing, to thing, to thing, to thing, to thing, to thing. And it's just like, that's super unhealthy, especially when you're at a high growth stage, you're in the younger years of your Christian faith. You need lots of time to be with the Lord process, 
you know, read the word. I mean, that's like the focus of your time, not action. That's not your focus. Do you take that time? Do you enjoy that? Are you like, ah, I hate being alone because then that's when the thoughts get in. And that's when well, we need to dive into that because that's not, that's probably not the best thing. Can I share freely about my emotions, joy, and pain? If you're with someone, do you, do you feel like you can share that openly and honestly? Um, or am I honest with myself uh, and a few significant others about the feelings, doubts, pains, and hurts beneath the surface of my life? Are you honest about that stuff? Or do you hold it in? Those are some just simple practical questions to really assess where am I at in this? Um, because it should be yes to all these things. It should be yes, I do want to do all these things. Larry Crabb, um, I've read a lot of his books are really, really good stuff. He says, you know, emotions in general should not be denied, but assessed and understood. It's almost like emotions are a check engine light. And if you have a check, who's, who's uh, denied the check engine light and put a thing of tape over the top of it? Yeah, Michael's like, I've had lots of car troubles. Um, but right, I mean, that's what we do in our lives, too. It's like, you know, once again, I keep using permeate, but like you seek the Lord and you're like, man, I really don't like this. And you're like, well, we'll just put some tape over it and just keep doing it because that's the right thing to do. It's like, ah, probably not the best option. You probably want to zoom out a little bit. And, and if, if this is something consistent that's happening, there might be there's something up there going on that you got to figure out what's happening. Once again, we keep using prayer meeting or, you know, Sunday morning or Saturday. Man, I don't want to go to fellowship with other people ever. <laughs> That's a problem. Like you laugh, but that's a, that's a problem. I mean, there might be bitterness with somebody in that group. You know, that generally drives you away. There might be, uh, you don't trust people, which ultimately is good in a sense. Jesus didn't trust people either in an ultimate sense, but he loved them deeply and cared for them deeply. So there's lots of things, right? Um, lots of things going on there. You probably shouldn't put tape over that. You probably should look at it. So that's how you should see it. Emotions are your check engine light. So here's a few practical steps on how to uh, go through an emotion pretty much. So the first step is uh, awareness, right? So be aware of your emotional state, put words to it, put words to it. Uh, when I was in my infancy of this, I think I actually walked through a receiver one time. Uh, we went through an emotional chart and I think I give it to Michael too, but it's like this emotional chart for those of us who are infants emotionally uh, and, and, and who can't identify what they are, or call them names. And so I'm like, I don't know what I'm feeling. And so you just bring out this emotional chart and the center is like high level ones. And then the next is a little bit deeper and the next is like more finite. And so those of us who need it can go through and say, I feel angry. Okay, I feel this type of angry. Okay, I feel this type of this. And you can really identify. And um, it's helpful. It's helpful for those who can't put words to what they're feeling. Know your triggers, right? Um, that's a key part of this is uh, if you're going through a situation over and over and over again, and it feels terrible every single time, not just once, but man, every time I do this, it's just really bad. Or every time I see this person, I feel really this way that's probably something you need to identify and say, is there a trigger there? Is there something going on? And zoom out and see what's going on. When I come to Sunday, why do I always feel this way when I leave Sunday? You know, those things matter. Those things matter. And like I said, focus on the trends. Don't identify every single little emotion. I mean, you feel things all the time. The goal is to trend things out and say, hey, what are the trends in my life emotionally? And then what does that show in the deeper, deeper heart? 
The second is empathy. Like I said, uh, a lot of the times you're like, oh, let's push it down, push it down, push it down. Don't deal with it. That's not what you say. What you say is, hey, it makes sense that I don't want to come to Sunday morning because I'm really bitter at that person. It makes sense that I feel that way, right? Of course, if you're bitter at somebody in the group, you don't want to go be around them. So it's empathizing, right? It's not saying, oh, that's stupid. Don't No, it's like, no, it makes sense. It logically makes sense that that happens. It's not right, but it makes sense, you know, and empathize with that. Um, why that you naturally feel this way. And then the last is objectivity. Gain perspective, apply biblical truth to that specific situation. And so that's how you go through your emotions. That's how you do it in a mature way. And if you read the Psalms, that's what David did, you know? If you read the Psalms, you see so many situations where he's kind of freaking out in the beginning. And you're like, oh, my gosh, this guy's kind of off the rails, you know, like what's wrong with this guy? And then it like comes in at the end. It's objective truth. Psalms are a great example of emotional maturity. You don't deny emotions. You don't give into emotions. You identify them, empathize with them, and then you bring in the truth and deal with them, which is what David did. So that's how we that's how we deal with emotions. Uh, two more slides. This is the second to last one. Uh, trust the process. I know that you know whether you're. I mean, I saw that whether you're playing video games, whether you're at your job, whether you're anything. You play a phone game. You want to just get better, 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 right? I mean, you just want constant improvement. At least that's how I play. I want to win. I want to win. I want to win when you are trying to grow spiritually in a deep way and really addressing the deeper parts of your heart, it's going to be overall growth, but there will be downs and ups and downs and ups and downs and ups because you're actually dealing with what's really going on. You're not faking it. Um, when you fake it, it goes up, 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 and then it goes straight down to the bottom. Uh, you know, there's so many examples of that in the church. I mean, I think of Josh Harris wrote a book, I Kiss Dating Goodbye. I don't know if anybody, any of you guys have heard it. It's an old book when I was a kid and everybody read it in my, you know, back in the day. And he was like treated like a relationship God. And he was 18. He was 18 years old. And people were like, this guy's amazing. He knows everything about relationships. And it's like, looking back, I'm like, that's so ridiculous. He was 18 years old. Um, but everybody read this book, sold millions of copies, made millions of dollars. And then he became a head pastor at like 22 of like a mega church. And he went up in fire. Like he was all the way up to the highest point in Christianity. And then he divorced his wife. He became an atheist and yeah, he's done. And you can watch a documentary on him um, called like, does anybody know what it's called? It's called like, yeah, that's exactly how it went there's a documentary on them. That's kind of interesting, but that's what happens. You get promoted artificially. It goes down. If you deal with the core of your heart, it's over time. And then the last thing, if we really want to get in, this is the key thing because, you know, trying these strategies, this is, it's helpful. It's helpful. But really what we need is we need God to truly open the eyes of our heart. And help us to really see this stuff. Um, you know, Paul says in, in Ephesians, I pray the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the boundless, boundless greatness of his power toward us who believe. And so that's what we ultimately need. 
is for God to supernaturally, through the Holy Spirit, just open the eyes of our heart and help us to really feel deeply for others, feel deeply for prayer, feel deeply about the word, about seeking God, uh, be in fellowship, all these things. Because if you've tried it, it's, it's impossible to do it on your own. Um, and it just takes us to submit to him and trust him that that's what he wants for us. That's what the scriptures say. And he's died on the cross and the resurrection power can do that in our life. If that's what he says we're supposed to be, we can be that. It's possible. Um, and I think if we do that, I think our church can just continue to take steps up, 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 up. But if the heart's not there, you know, if we're not working on the deeper areas, we're not going to pray for an extra two hours. We're not going to do these things we're talking about in action. We won't. Our heart has to be there. And it takes time. And it's hard. But it, it's the right way to do it. So, um, so that's, all I've, that's all I've got. Um, I'm going to pray for us. And uh, we're going to be we're gonna be done, I think. So. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name, and Lord, we do just pray and ask that you would open the eyes of our hearts. God, that you would, that you would help us to not only do the right things and, and seek after you in, in the right ways, but, but to really, from our hearts, feel it. From our hearts, um, just love it, God. You call us to have hearts that are changed and minds that are changed. And so that's what you say. And so we know that we can get it because you've told us that that's how, that's, that's what you want. And so just pray that each person in this, in this uh, group and myself, Lord, no matter where we're at, what we're going through, Lord, that, um, that you would continue to give us wisdom on how to take a step forward, how to be honest, how to be authentic about where we are, what we're feeling, what we're dealing with uh, so that we can actually take, real steps forward and really make steps deeper in, into what you have for us. Um, just thank you for this group of people uh, that, that really do have a heart to seek you and want that God. Um, and so just give it to us. We just ask you to, all this in Jesus name and just really pray for uh, the rest of today and the fellowship all the time we have together. Uh, amen. amen. Do you guys want to talk?